you know, I was talking to my wife, Amanda, and said, I want to just kind of clearance this stuff um, at a cheaper price. I, I'm going to just stick it on Amazon and see what happens. So give me a give me an idea of a business name. It doesn't really matter because this isn't like we're not forming a business. It's kind of a clearance option. Um, so she suggested plant therapy. This is Ruckus Makers, a show about entrepreneurs where the mission matters and the status quo isn't an option. I'm your host, Zach Reinard, and in today's episode, we're talking with Chris Jones, the founder and president of Plant Therapy. What started as a small, failing beauty shop pivoted into one of the world's largest online retailers. Tell me about uh, Chris Jones. Like, uh, from the community side, uh, we see you as this business mogul guy who's mm-hmm. who has a, uh, a very large company. But I've also seen you kind of be very philanthropic and help people and really serve people. So uh, talk a little bit about your beliefs in business and, and okay. how that works. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you say, you know, we see you as this, this business person. My wife is constantly annoyed by that kind of stuff. You know, I, um, we've won different awards and things like that. And some of them are, I don't know, a little bit made up. But, and some of them are really cool. And, and yeah. I, I like all of it um, to an extent. But she's just like, I mean, you're kind of an idiot. Like, how, why, why do people look up to you like this is kind of funny, you know? Yeah. And, and I agree with her. It's it's a weird kind of a weird thing but yeah so i've i've been an entrepreneur my whole life i I never was a good student um you know i grew up in jerome i was born in utah moved to jerome when i was maybe four or five something like that um and just never was a never was a good student i enjoyed school i enjoyed the social aspect of it but i'm also pretty private and kind of a quiet person um for I mean, for many aspects of being a business owner, that's difficult. And I've had to like, I set reminders in my phone, like go out and tell people they're doing a good job, right? Yeah. Stuff like that, because people people really need to hear that, but it's not in my nature. My nature is just to kind of keep my head down and go to work and do my thing. Um, but I know that doesn't work for some people. And yeah. so I have to, so I'm trying to, kind of trying to change who I am a little bit and always striving sure. to be a little bit better in that way. It's funny when you study leaders. I, I read a lot of books and, and I study a lot of leaders in that sense. And mm-hmm. and uh, you have the ones that that are very extroverted, very people driven, and they're just out on the front lines, always like happy go lucky type people. Yeah. And then I, and I find there's a lot of people that are that are the opposite. That to your point, like you know, what I mean, having to to remind yourself and hey, like go tell people thank you. Uh, yeah. I think that's real. I think that's very raw, and, and uh, I'm I'm very similar in that way. Yeah. You know, being and able I, to do I that. see you know Billy here and. Um, Billy and I have a lot of the same philosophies around business yeah. and um, do things in a similar way, but our personalities are really different. And he's, I think he, I could be wrong, but I think he enjoys being out there and being like um, yeah. energetic and raw, raw. And, you know, yeah. it's, that's kind of his personality and mine is really not. And there's a reason why I don't manage a lot of people. I have very few direct reports. Okay. And then, and really early on in my business, it was, it was like, I need to get somebody to that that will be on the floor like day-to-day management mm-hmm. of people because I'm just not really good at that yeah um, interesting uh, what do you think is your greatest skill when it comes to like your business um, I think um, like forward thinking so my role at plant therapy I think is I'm the strategy I mean strategy is my role um, I also really love like 
the physical parts of um, figuring out what equipment to buy, um, you know, these, these kind of processes. It's, yeah. it's more not, not the people side, um, although that is the most important thing for the business. Yeah. But it's not my, I, I think I'm a good judge of character yeah. and can pick good people to join us, but it's more the other stuff, the real estate side of it, facilities, equipment, yeah. processes, strategy. You, you love operations. Like do, do you like the yeah. puzzle side of it? Of kind yeah, of for sure. Problem to, solving. To be yeah. uh, efficient and effective. Yeah, for sure. That's a lot of fun. I, uh, Man, I, I like to think I do until I get into the weeds of that. And then it, it can be overwhelming at times. And it's just like, man, there's yeah. so many things going on. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so throughout the, the growth of plant therapy, right, it's, it's a very large company. Uh, what year did it start? Um, so we, there's kind of two stories to what year it started because we, okay. in 2000, so, so like I said, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I worked at Sherry's restaurant for a few years when I was in okay. high school. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I haven't really had a job, um, where I was working for somebody else. So, um, I, I had owned my own businesses and I would say that I, I mean, I've always paid my bills and been, um, successful in that way, but I wouldn't say like wildly successful or something, right? It's like sure. small business. Um, and I, I had been more in the service business and then thinking, I want to get into the product based business. And the reason I wanted a product is because in the service businesses, you're kind of limited by geography. Yeah. And so to grow those businesses is a little bit more difficult or I, I really didn't know how. So some people can be in the service business and do really well at expanding new locations and things like that. But I really, um, I didn't, didn't really like the idea of opening a location in Salt Lake or in Boise. I, I kind of wanted to stay here. Um, and what, how can I have a successful business that's wide reaching but not having to geographically expand. So anyways, that's product, right? Right. And, and the smaller the product, or depending on what the product is, you can ship it worldwide inexpensively. Yeah, for cheap. There's like, yeah, there's exponential growth opportunities in a product-based business that are more limited in yeah. service. So anyway, so I was kind of like keeping my eyes open for a product opportunity. Um, and my mother-in-law had started a beauty products business in 2008. Um, she did it for maybe six months um, and was relatively successful. She, I think she did around, um, you know, twenty-five dollars or $30,000 in that first six months. Okay. And she for was a startup. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just doing it out of her garage. You know, she was essentially buying like a five-gallon bucket of lotion, scenting it with essential oils and putting it in a jar, like an eight-ounce jar, printing labels okay. at home and then selling them to her friends, right? So yeah. she started this model of trying to get people, it was, it was more of a direct sales approach. So she was trying to sign people up to sell her products. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't really multi-level, but more direct sales. Okay. So, and yeah. a lot of people don't understand the difference. I'll just tell you really quickly. So multi-level is like, just like it says, multi-level. You sign, I sign you up, you sign your friend up, they sign right. their friend up where direct sales is like, I sign you up and you go sell to your friends, but it isn't like, right. I don't get commission on whoever you sign up. Yeah, it's just, it's just one layer. Kind of one layer, yeah. So it's just a sure. different sales model. But anyway, so she was doing that. Um, it was in her garage. It was kind of, she was doing it as a hobby and then it kind of got to be a little bit more of a hobby. I mean, a little bit more of a business. And she's got entrepreneurial ADD, very similar to me in that way. 
And, um, you know, I saw an opportunity to get into the product business and it was natural beauty products, which in 2008 were kind of up and coming. Sure. So I bought that business from her and okay. opened a little retail store here on Maine, just actually just one block down right here. Okay. Um, and we never made any money. So that, <laughs> oh, no. yeah, that first year, I actually didn't work there at the time. I still was working in another business and, um, you know, but we opened up this little store. I knew nothing about retail, knew nothing about beauty, care products, never really used them. Um, didn't know anything about manufacturing or e-commerce. Uh, it was all like right. brand new. So we opened up this retail store, started selling some products online. We launched on eBay, but Amazon, I had never purchased anything on Amazon. It was kind of a new thing to me. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, we didn't sell anything on Amazon. So anyways, that's, that, so that was in 2009. I bought that business, opened up a store two years later, 2000. So we did, a, we did maybe $60,000 the first year. Okay. Um, second year we did 70,000 or so. 75,000, I think. So we were growing, but weren't making any money. I started, so in September, no, in August of 2011. Okay. So I now years. owned the business two years. Yeah. Yep. Just over two years. I started looking like something needs to change. I realized, you know, we're losing money every month. I can't keep doing this forever. We're growing, but not very fast. Um, so what's the problem and how can we change it? So I started right. diving into the books and realized our products are okay, but they're they weren't really anything special. We weren't, sure. we, we weren't finding our place in the market that anybody cared about. Um, and we weren't making any money. We weren't going to make any money at our model. We would have had to double the size of our business just to break even. Yeah. And that just wasn't happening. Right. Um, so I decided I'm, I'm going to, I, I still believed in the business model. And well, first of all, I hated direct sales. I hated sure. it. I hated the people that we had signed up. So for me to like dislike our customers, like they would come in and I just didn't want to talk to them. They were just like, they, they had in general, this may be offensive to somebody, but they had a personality that I just didn't enjoy. And I didn't want to work with them. So sure. I would avoid them, which is hard as a business owner to not like your customers. Uh, makes it difficult. So <laughs> I, fired, I fired some of them yeah. and just like, we're not going to do this, you know, and made some people upset, but I just didn't like the model. Um, there really wasn't anything that I liked about the business, frankly, besides really? that it was a product-based business. So it was, I, it was just a grind. You, you liked the idea of what you were in, but it wasn't fulfilling, exactly. fulfilling you at all. Yeah, sense. right. And, and I didn't want to work there, right? Okay. And I, I wasn't working there full-time, but I was working there part-time and I didn't enjoy it and I didn't see myself doing that. So, so anyways, what happened is I had, I started looking at our books and, and we had, I think, ten dollars or $11,000 worth of essential oils they were bulk essential oils that we were using to scent um, yeah. the, these products. So, you know, I was talking to my wife, Amanda, and said, I want to just kind of clearance this stuff um, at a cheaper price. I, I'm going to just stick it on Amazon and see what happens. So give me, a, give me an idea of a business name. It doesn't really matter because this isn't like we're not forming a business. It's kind of a clearance option. Um, right. So she suggested plant therapy and... Um, as in a name, as in a brand, just to yeah. kind of, hey, just get rid of that stuff. Yeah. Did, does she have a background with essential oils? or? So she used them growing up. My okay. mother-in-law um, had been using essential oils for years, so using them in the home. So, yeah, she, she only that was her only background is that she was familiar with them, enjoyed using them, 
Okay. That sort of thing. So, and she just randomly was like, yeah, plant therapy. That's a good name. Yeah. I think it was (laughs) a little bit more of a discussion, but that was basically it. Like she came up with the name and I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So, um, which in hindsight, like I should have checked if the domain was available because it wasn't, I had to buy it later. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so now September, October. So I spent the month of October, like creating a new brand labels. I, I bottled everything by hand, got them listed on, on Amazon, um, the, you know, late October of 2011. Mm-hmm. And then November we did something like, you know, 15,000 or 20,000 in sales. Well, we had done, you know, 70,000 the previous 12 months in our store. Right. And I was like, oh wow, we're actually selling. And we, you know, sold out of most of the products. I ordered some new essential oils in to, to sell. December, we did like $30,000 in sales. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like we may have a business, but then I also thought it's Christmas time. People are spending money. Right. Um, I didn't want to hire a bunch of people. So I would go into work. I, it was, I have little kids. I still have little kids and it was important to me to be home with them. So I would go home at work at, you know, six, six or six 30, get the kids to bed and things like that. It was important to me to be home at that time. But then I would go back into work at like 3 a.m or 4 a.m. and wow. bottle product and get them sent to Amazon. We were doing what's called FBA. So we would yeah. bottle them up, send them to Amazon, and then they would ship them out. We were the first company doing FBA essential oils on Amazon. Wow. Um, okay. So so for those that aren't familiar with FBA, it's how you get the prime badge, right? Mm-hmm. It's shipped by Amazon so that people trust it. Right. It's how they can guarantee one-day one day or two-day shipping. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, so I didn't want to hire people because I thought in January it's going to go down because this is just Christmas time. You know, I don't want to bring people in and then be in a situation in January yeah. where we have to let people go or something. And then January we did like 45,000 in sales. So then keeps going up. I was like, okay, so if we did that in, you know, our, our progress there. So I bought uh, a couple of small pieces of equipment and hired a couple yeah. of people. And then we did like you know, almost 1.5 million that first year in business in 2012. Holy cow. And it was really like, all right, we're on to something, you know? So, uh, when, in that first year, so you're, you know, you're making 35K, 45K, 50K. Uh, when you bought that equipment, started hiring those people, uh, was money tight or, or were margins good enough that you could cash flow things? Like, was there any frustrations there? Yeah. So the crazy thing is I was probably, um, a hundred, so I had been, I had been really successful in real estate, but in 2008, okay. 2009, real estate crashed, right? Yeah. So I had been really smart in real estate and put all of, I mean, essentially the, for the 10 years before that, any profits I had made in business, I was investing into real estate. Okay. Um, not quite 10 years. No, probably, let, let's see, I started in 2002, probably, so, you know. Okay, in real six estate? Six or seven years, yeah. And were you a realtor or a broker or what would you no, do? No, I just, I just bought a piece of property subdivided it and sold it. And then that gave me some money and I invested that into some duplexes and just kind of got into real estate that way, which is still my passion. I've been investing heavily in real estate now for, you know, almost 20 years, 19 years. Wow. Okay. Um, So 2008, 2009 came, I had some money, but it was all tied up in real estate. I had probably a hundred grand by 2011. I probably had, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Um, yeah. I would call it consumer debt. It wasn't all credit cards, but it was more high interest. Um, I had assets, but they weren't liquid assets. And we were kind of moving in the wrong direction. Sure. I, I, I've been um, 
financially smart in the sense that I've always spent less than I made besides those like probably two years and we were living off some savings kind of at that sure. point, um, which is fine. That's the reason you have savings for lean years, right? Right, yep. Um, but anyway, so, so to answer your question, I started off in debt instead of okay. with a bunch of money. And then um, I didn't have money to buy equipment at the beginning. So we, I was actually using like a Nalgene bottle that was probably this size with a little spout on the top. Okay. And I would fill that bottle from, you know, our, our five-gallon bucket of essential oils or whatever. Okay. And then I would squeeze it into these bottles. Oh, seriously? The you, were small, just, you were like hand-filling it? Yeah. Literally just, oh, man. you know, I'd put the caps on my fingers. I'd tape my hands up so that we could put the caps on without getting too bloody, things like that. Oh, um, putting labels on by hand. And I knew for, you know, two grand, you can get like a small, like semi-auto bottling you know, a little label or... Yeah, right. Uh, Automation. You know, yeah, but... And two grand, very, that's, like, that's like nothing. You know what I mean? Right, but and I didn't have when, the money. When you're starting, either. yeah. Yeah, because we were putting the money back into inventory. And I was debt-averse because I had been... The previous two years, I was living off of debt, um, you know, or getting a little bit more in debt. And I was really like, you know, when you... You know, it just like, it eats at you. If you have, if you're yeah. in a hole and you're trying to dig out of that hole, it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. So yeah. I didn't want to go into debt. Um, in fact, I remember my wife's grandpa walking through and like watching us fill these bottles. And he said, like, this is not the best way to do that. You know that, right? Like this is, sure. you're, you're doing it this terrible. <laughs> like you could be way better. And I said, yeah, but it's working at the moment. We could actually fill a lot of bottles that way. Um, I was getting pretty fast at it. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah, that first year there was enough margin that it got out of debt, and by the end of the year had some money, and we were putting money back into automation, moved facilities that year into okay. a bigger, bigger facility, actually right down here on Main. Also, mm-hmm. just a random question: Does Main Street mean a lot to you? Uh, you know, I mean, if your first shop was on Main, your first beauty product company, yeah. and then your first, you know, big one, and, and I know now you have a retail store on Main. Do you like? Yeah. Do you like Main Street? Um, I do like Main Street, but I'm not a nostalgic person. Okay. So I never, I never felt like, oh, downtown twin. I, I, right. um, um, that's that kind of goes against the grain for some people because some people sure. are super passionate about it. And I've owned, I bet you, I've owned uh, seven or eight properties on Main, and I still own um, a few. Yeah. Um, so I like Main. I think it's a good investment. Um, I like having a retail store here. It's good for our business because we are a local business. So that's the reason we put the, our store on Main. I like Main Street, but I'm not nostalgic about it. I don't have these, you yeah. know, heartfelt feelings about wanting to build downtown. I just think it's, I think it's good. Yeah, I, I, I think that's uh, unique in, in certain uh, entrepreneurs is, is some are very nostalgic. I'm, I'm a pretty nostalgic person. Mm-hmm. And, and others I've found, like, they, they can just turn that switch off and move on and make a great business decision. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's good and bad. And it's the same reason why I'm not a really great people person, right? Sure. Because I'm not, I'm not nostalgic. It's like, it's very logical. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. We're going to cut you loose because, you know, yeah. it's not the best thing. So, yeah. you know, stuff like that. It, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's good and bad. Well, in that decision, though, you're, you're logically thinking this is good for everyone. This is good for the team. This is for sure for yeah. people. You know, it's, it's never hard feelings that way. But yeah. Yeah, we, in fact... I mean, we have some, some company values that we live by. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you 
walk through plant therapy and ask any of our manager, what are your company values? They can name them all by yeah. memory because we talk about it and we live it. And that, that number one is um, people first. And so some people think like, if you're a people first company, like I want to raise, I need to make more money. Um, so if you're a people first company, you're going to give me a raise because you're thinking of me as a person, not as a number. And, right. and to an extent that's true. But on the other hand, if you're a drain, you're, you're really a drain on everybody around you. So the most people first thing we could do is actually, so this, this, I mean, wanting a raise and being let go are not related. So these Correct. are kind of two yeah. separate things, yeah. but if you're being a drain on the people around you, the most people first thing I could do is actually to fire you because yeah. I'm protecting the yeah. other dozen people that you are dragging down, right? right? So being people first doesn't mean necessarily what's the best thing for you, but it's the best thing as a whole for our people, right? Yeah, interesting. Uh, do you have any scenarios like that? I, I'm, I'm sure hopefully you do through, through Plant Therapy's life where you've had to make tough decisions that, that were better for everyone? Um, yeah, there's been lots and lots and lots of them. Um, but one that comes to mind in particular, um, a few years ago, probably three or four years ago, our business was doing really well. Um, but I'm like, um, for better or for worse, I don't have a formal education. I I knew nothing about manufacturing or e-commerce and it's just like, we're winging it and winging it's working right now. But at some point we have to be professionals, right? Sure. Um, I don't actually believe that anymore, but at that time, that's what I was thinking. Like, we need yeah. to professionalize the business. So I decided, you know, we're having a hard time finding really great marketing talent in Twin, what we thought um, the, on the artistic side, like mm-hmm. designers, um, social media, um, other marketing, you know, just talent. Mm-hmm. So we decided to open an office in Boise. And so right. I found who I thought was the best marketing person I could find. Still think he's extremely talented, has a really great track record. I hired he, he and his wife as a team. Um, in fact, I, I was introduced to him. We interviewed him, really liked him, had a really great resume. And then I was introduced to his wife and I was like, I actually like her even a lot more. <laughs> like she's, her, she's got yeah. a really awesome resume and um, like I would rather hire the wife, but then we end up hiring both as a team, okay. like 50-50, to head up the marketing team. So we yep. opened- And their goal was run marketing at Plant Therapy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like start from scratch. You've got a really great track record. Let's figure out, I want you to tell us what we should be doing instead of the other way around. Okay. And that's kind of my, by the way, that's my um, approach to almost everything. Like yep. I'm not a hands-on manager. If I'm hiring you to be over finance, like you should be way better at finance than I am. And you tell me what needs to happen, not the other way around, right? Yeah. I try to hire people smarter than me and let them- to teach us what needs to happen. So that's that's what I did with marketing and tasked them with building a team, go hire developers, creative Mm -hmm. director, designers. And they did that. Opened an office in Boise, hired 15 people. um, And they were very professional. They were very, came from a corporate background. It was very corporate environment. um, And they were very siloed in the sense that that's not the best thing for us in marketing, so we're not gonna do that instead of yeah. that's the best thing for the business, so that's what we're gonna do. It, it needed to look good for them yeah. and for their team. Did this operate as a separate entity or was no, it, it, was it was a part of plant therapy? Yeah, okay. it, was just a, it was just the marketing department. Hmm. Uh, okay. And then it became very like us versus them, um, particularly like maintaining a strong culture is not easy, but easier if you're all in the same building. 
Now, if you have somebody that's two hours away and, and I don't actually know them very well and they built this team, like the culture was very different. It was okay. very corporate and very much like, we have a very kind of lateral, if I need something, if I need a check written and the person that writes checks is you know, whoever, I go talk to them and say, we need this check written instead of going to head of finance and then it goes to this person to this yeah. person. So in some instances, it needs to follow the chain of command, but it's also like, it's a waste of everybody's time and money. Let's just go direct to the source and get it done. So if we would go to somebody in marketing, like I need this sticker created for whatever reason, then it's like everybody, well, it didn't go through the creative director. It didn't go through, although they would approve the design in the end, it didn't go through the <laughs> head of marketing. So yeah. everybody's all worked up and it's like this whole thing. And I realized being corporate sucks. Like I really, really? hated it. I hated, I was intimidated by them because. Yeah. And how many team members total did you have at this time? There were probably a uh, hundred. Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe just over a hundred. Three, four years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so um, it got to where work wasn't fun. I was, I didn't like the marketing department, yeah. like, and, and which is really unfair to them because they're super talented, but their culture was different than mine. So they were more of a corporate culture yeah. And they were really great in that environment, which is, which is not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just different from us where we're really sure. like family, kind of homegrown, right. um, not professional. Let's be honest. When you set out to start your business, you didn't think you'd have to worry so much about your IT. That's why Simplicit is here. Their managed IT solution means you save time, money, and stress. Get back to focusing on your business and let Simplicit take care of the rest. Visit SimplicitTech.com. Owning a business can be stressful and taxing on your mind and body. Every entrepreneur needs rest. Float Magic is the Magic Valley's premier float center where you can recharge and rejuvenate. Book a float today at FloatMagicValley.com. One of the things you said, which is really unique to me, is is it sounds like you've empowered people to make decisions mm-hmm. that um, that that may not be uh, decision makers, if if I can say that, right? Uh, you mentioned that there's chains of command, but would you say that your people can all present ideas and and show up to work and say, "Hey, I thought about this. What do you guys think?" Is it that type of culture, or is it pretty hands on? Um, well, it's it's both. We we're super open, like open door, and everybody. We want to hear everybody's ideas. Um, yeah, it's it's very kind of unilateral okay. decision making. We want everybody to feel empowered in their position. So, yeah, yeah empowerment over control. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. I think uh, I think a lot of organizations, you know, law of the lid is what comes to mind as a philosophy. It's one of those things that where organizations are limited by their leadership, right? Not by their opportunities. And, and you guys obviously have tons of opportunities, but you haven't let leadership dictate that. It just in growth, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, we try. Um, so what I was getting at with that is I ended up essentially firing all of those people oh, man. and okay. closing the office. Okay. Um, just because it, it's like, I didn't like it. And, right. and you have to enjoy who you work with and going to work and um, really unfair to, to the marketing managers in particular because um, I hired them to do something and they did exactly what I wanted them to do. Yeah. But in the end, 
I didn't like it. So I fretted over it for months, yeah. months and months of like, oh man, this really sucks. I don't want to fire them because because they're doing what we asked them to do. But in the end, I just didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and that's my fault, not theirs. They didn't do anything wrong. Um, yeah. So I fretted about it, fretted about it. Lots of discussions. I talked to um, you know a mentor of mine who's a business partner, um, and he he was like, you know exactly what you have to do. Like, you got to fire him. And so then I still didn't. So then after a little <laughs> bit of time, he's like, yeah. you know, it kept coming up. He said, how how often are we going to talk about this? Like, you got to fire him. Uh, so I did. And then like I'm I'm talking 30 seconds later. It's the hard like being a manager. The hardest thing you have to do is fire people. I agree. Yep. Um, and some people can't cut it as managers because they can't fire people. And that's the truth. Like it's, yeah. it's the hardest part of the job. Um, and so that was really hard. And I mean, 30 seconds later, I was like, greatest decision I ever made. I and felt, you did it. You did that whole conversation. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I felt really good about it. And, and the marketing manager in particular, they had lots of notice and we had this discussion like, you know, this isn't, this isn't really what we signed up for. And they felt the same way. Like, yeah. they were like, you guys kind of need to be more professional. And we're like, no, being professional sucks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So in the end, I think they knew it was the right decision too. Uh, it was hard for everybody, but but in the end, it was it was the best decision. Yeah. I uh, I applaud you. That, that's hard. Um, Super hard, yeah. You know, we, when you, we, you know, you mentioned that you're, you may not be as much of a people person. But in those moments, I always picture like their families and I, and it's hard like, for sure. you picture their life and their hopes and their dreams and, and your first core value of like people first, like that is hard. And so yeah. congratulations to you on, 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 you know, putting the team first and making sure that things are sustainable. Right. And that, and that really was a people first decision. Like, and, and Paul, who I, who's my executive vice president, Paul Stanger, really awesome. We've worked, he's my brother-in-law also, but okay. we've also worked together for, I don't know, 15 years or more. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, like, if somebody isn't the best fit, the best thing we can do for them also is let them go and let them go someplace where they're going to thrive. Because if we don't really enjoy them at work, they're probably not enjoying it either, right? Right. So it's, it's, we're actually doing them a favor, if, even if they don't see it at the time. And, and, and everybody, nobody else really enjoyed working with that department just because it was so wildly different culture. Um, yeah. So anyway, you take that whole 20 person team, put them in a different culture and they would be really awesome. Really great. Every single one yeah. of them, really great at their job, really yeah. great people, just well, different culture. Did you explore those options? And that, and that's just the business operator in me asking that. Did you want to like bring them to twin and say, Hey, come join us and, and obviously move all those people. But is that, yeah. is that an option? It, we actually talked about it and we talked to them about it too. Some of them, um, and some of, and well, there's probably like four or five of those people that still work with us. Okay. So we let the vast majority go, Moved but then around, retained the ones that we felt felt fit our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we explored it, but really, it wouldn't be fair to them either. What what we would be doing is asking them to change um, their work environment and who they are to fit our culture, where they don't need fixed. They're, they're perfect just the way they are. They just need to go someplace else where yeah. that also matches their culture, right? So. Right. So if we jump back to 2012, you did a million five in revenue roughly that yeah. first year, and you've, you've grown crazy now. Uh, what was the main proponent of your growth? What, what took you to where you're at, and, and what, do you, what do you give that credit to? Um, well, a few things. So hiring the right people, that's number one. And uh, have you read Good to Great? Mm-hmm. So... I'm, I'm, I'm 
a big believer in that concept of like, let's get the right people on the bus and then let's collectively figure out where to drive this thing. Yeah. Um, I read a lot of business books too and well, and other books also, but, um, and I try to take what I can from them. And that, yeah. that was one that really was impactful and really like, let's get the right people on the bus and figure out where to go. So, yeah. um, so really people, um, and then also we were super innovative, but not in, I am not uh, creative. Well, I am creative, but I'm not creative in the sense of like, I'm coming up with really awesome ideas in, in some ways it's like, I'm just very um, observant and like what's working for people, not necessarily in our industry, but what's somebody doing that we can adapt into our yeah. business. For example, this is kind of sound like the stupidest thing. We were the first essential oil company to offer free shipping. Mind blown, right? Who yeah. would have thought of that? Right, right. but nobody was That's doing funny. it. But it, but it was obviously a big thing in other industries. So just something simple like that. Yeah, you know, we're interesting. I uh, so so innovation. It, I, my mind goes to essential oils, right? They've been around a long time. Yeah, you guys didn't invent essential oils, right? Right. So so why the growth in essential oils? You know what I mean? It's, it sounds like yeah. people were just finding you and yeah, calling uh, you and buying from you. Yeah, and I, I, the reason why is because the vast majority of the essential oils being sold were being sold through multi-level marketing companies. Okay, and the people MLM. Who, yeah, and the people who are in the MLM selling the product, some of them like it, some of them don't, but everybody who's not, everybody hates MLM. Like you have some right. old high school friend, hey, what's up, you know. <laughs> Another Facebook like, group. I, I know what's coming, yeah. yeah. It's like, I think you'd be really awesome at this business. Like, that really sucks. I hate the selling model um, for me personally. Um, so anyway, so so what's happening is there's these two really big MLM companies. Mm -hmm. They're super aggressive, getting people interested in essential oils who otherwise wouldn't even be familiar with them. And then we're kind of riding right behind them. Like okay. we're a less expensive, direct-to-consumer alternative. Yeah. Or, you know, you can get it in two days. You don't have to go like you know, friends don't force friends to buy essential oils kind of thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so really we're just, you know, a lot of people would think of us as competitors. We're totally not. We love them. They're out getting people interested in essential oils and we're just coming up behind them and finding success. So we're not pushing our products. So that's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's more of a pull than a push. So there's push marketing and pull marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So we can be pushing our product or right. we can just be the best we can be and waiting for people to come. And, mm -hmm. and that's the model. Yeah. Interesting. So we, so, you know, little things like you have this essential oil and there's a top dot. Everybody was putting them in cases like this mm -hmm. from the top. We were the first company to put a top dot on it that said what it is. So when you're looking at your case, you can see what essential oil it is. seems pretty simple, but it, the equipment wasn't there. We had to essentially in, invent equipment yeah. to do that or just throw labor at it, which is kind of expensive. So, right. So did you end up inventing equipment to put those labels like right on the top of the Yeah, top and when I say that, I didn't. We, we contacted a Chinese company, said this is what we need, and they did it, right? Built but, it. Yeah. but yeah, we were, we were the first company that did that. Okay, there's uh, some innovation. I mean, that, I mean that's so simple, uh, but on a user experience level, on a customer yeah, it's, experience, it's, huge, like, it's right? what you would want, right? People yeah. don't always buy the best products or services. They buy the ones that are the easiest to understand, yeah, right? For sure, we're solving and, a problem. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Okay, so so what else? Like, so you had a little bit of innovation, and then on top of that, uh, you had a great direct to consumer model. What else drove growth and hiring? You said you had the right people. Anything else? Yeah, good product. Yeah, um, you have to have a good product. Um, 
and then just great customer satisfaction. In fact, there's been, I, I very specifically remember a manager that I let go uh, because she was having a really hard time with people that were taking advantage of our return policy. So, so my philosophy is you don't like yeah. our product, I'll give you your money back, keep it, throw it away, give it to your friend. Yeah. Um, it's a good product. So just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean it's not going to work for your buddy, right? Mm-hmm. So we would say, here's your money back, keep the product, give it to a friend. Some people take advantage of that. Sure. So she was like, you're losing money every time you do this. And I said, yeah, but it's my money. So I'm okay losing it. I know I, I, I'm confident in our plan. She couldn't get over it. So oh, there was a few times where it's like, she kind of went, she, she thought she was doing the right thing by saving the company money, but it was creating a negative customer experience. So in the end, she got let go because it wasn't her choice to make. Yeah, and she wasn't fit. following what I wanted. Yeah. So it's really that taking care of the customer every time. I had another instance where, I mean, there's lots of people that take advantage and we just smile and let them most of the time. Right. Um, and, and lots of our customer satisfaction department is, is, has a hard time with it at the beginning. Like, like I'll spend 50, $75 on anybody. What we're doing is buying loyalty from them. Like, yes, it's costing us a bunch of money up front, but next time they want to buy essential oils, I guarantee you they're buying them from us, right? right? So so they would have a hard time with losing money to these customers that they know are taking advantage of us. And I say, that's fine. That's my money. I'm okay losing it. Yeah. If I was on the other end of that line, I would give them all of that plus more. You know? Right. And I and I answered every single phone call and every single email from every customer clear until we were like an eight million dollar company. Wow. Just for that reason. You just wanted to know your customer, you wanted to know. And make sure they're being they taken care of. Like, yeah. Wow. When, so uh, how was that instilled in you? I kind of want to go back to your, to your parents. And, and um, some people don't think that way. Yeah. They think you're losing money on that transaction. Yeah. You think I have to to keep them as a customer for life. Yeah. Right? That, that, or, or have the opportunity for them to tell their friends. Yep. Where did you learn that? My dad was really great at service. Had, okay. He had a service business. He was... So his really quick story, he was um, living in Utah. Uh, he's from Wendell. My mom's from Boise. Okay. Uh, he was living in Utah, going to school. Um, so his, while he was a student, his like kind of night and weekend job was at an um, Intermountain Farmers Association store. It's kind of like D&B. So they were selling, you know, farm and ag supplies, stuff like that. Well, there was um, bags of weed and feed, like dandelion killer, mm-hmm. they would get broken and then they would sell them for half off because they were like an open bag. So there was an open bag. He went to his apartment manager and said, hey, I can get rid of all your dandelions for this much. And it was a pretty cheap price because he got the product cheap. Right. Um, he said, yeah, I want you to do that. And I have 17 other apartment complexes. So okay. he started getting into lawn care, doing spraying and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So a week, uh, you know, a, a few months, he's doing this on nights and weekends, all of a sudden he's making more money at his night and weekend. That's how side hustles always work, right? You started as a side hustle. Pretty soon yep. your side hustle is making more than your day job. You switch over. Yep. So that's what he was doing. Nights and weekends business turned into a business. So he started doing it full-time lawn care. He had Utah spraying service, sold that business because he wanted to get back to Idaho. So okay. sold it, moved to Twin or to Jerome, um, bought a little lawn care company, built it up to pretty decent size. He did almost... 
at, at his peak, they did almost a million dollars in lawn care. That's which a is big lawn care. Yeah, company. which is a lot for a lawn care company. Yeah. He, they had, you know, eighty percent of the tree care business in Wood River, okay. which was a big deal. Um, probably seventy uh, percent of the lawn care business in Twin. And now there's like a million little companies. There weren't then. There were like a couple of big guys and then a few little ones. Wow. So, anyways, he sold that business. Uh, ironically, that's ultimately what killed him too. He died of cancer 20 years ago, oh, I think, from pesticide exposure. But anyway, so he was wow. in the lawn care business, and and that's a service business. Yeah. And the guy never slept. I mean, he died at 48. Um, young. At, yeah. So yeah. Sorry to hear that. That's, and, that's, that's bummer. Yeah. Yeah. The closer I get to that age, the younger it was. Like then, it didn't seem all that young, but now it definitely does. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he was, he was really great on the service side. I mean, there's, I still, there's not, you know, a month that doesn't go by where somebody is like, Oh, I loved your dad, you know, huge mm -hmm. impact on me. Um, so that's what it is. I mean, smart. just family of entrepreneurs. You just saw it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and so, he never talked about it either. It was, yeah. it's, it was strictly by example. Like he never, like there are a few points where he said like you should be doing this or would kind of coach us as as our parent as our father but generally he's just like would do his thing and we watched and it was just strictly by example wow good parents i love it you yeah. know what i mean and they, they teach you those good things that you live your life by i think that's great so with with plant therapies growth um you guys are a smashing success if you could say it that way you you are doing incredible uh why do you keep grinding on that side why do you want to keep things growing and 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 doing better like what, what's the why behind it um well I, I you know there it's not like the cart and the horse there we're not we're not necessarily successful from the grind let me think about that for a second i think like I'm grinding because I want to. That's like who I am. And so then plant therapy became successful as a byproduct of that. So, I mean, if it's just who I am in my core, like plant therapy being successful or not, it's still like, that's just who I am, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 you love to serve people like with business, right? Uh, you know, you mentioned some of your philosophy of, of Billy Saltz is, you know, he kept using the phrase that uh, he, he, it's, it's in who he is. Like he just yeah. loves to do it and it's, it's why he does it. Is there anything that motivates you more than other things? Uh, I have actually before plant therapy started, I really, really wanted to make an impact on people's lives. Like, I wish at that time that I had a really successful business so that I could really impact lives. And, okay. and that's the truth. And that sounds like um, a little bit of a sales pitch, maybe, but, but that really is the reality. And so that's what it is. I mean, I, um, yeah, just the philanthropy side of it, super okay. into it. Yeah. And, and yeah. we can impact lives not just through philanthropy, through like charitable giving, but also like the way we treat our employees. Like we've got a really great place to work. And we, I remember the first time we went to um, um, our company Christmas party, we had rented the Orpheum Theater. Yeah. And all of the, we had, I think I want to say 50 or 60 people that worked there, rented out the theater for Christmas. And this is the first time that everybody could bring their families as opposed to just a plus one. So we, they came, we watched Home Alone, for the Christmas party and you know, handed out gifts. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But but there was probably 150 people there. Yeah. 
And it made me a little nauseous because I was thinking like, all of a sudden, there's, this is like a, an impactful number of people whose livelihood I'm responsible for. They're counting on me yeah. to provide their kids with clothes and food and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we can impact lives by just providing a great place to work, you know, awesome yeah. benefits and competitive pay. And like, we're, we're just impacting lives that way too. So right. it's not just the philanthropy side of it. It's the whole package, I think. Yeah. Okay. So what does the next five years look like for, for plant therapy? We're just going to keep doing our thing. I'm not a long-term planner. I'm very okay. much like, um, this was actually also part of the problem with the marketing department in Boise because yeah. they're like, they want to work on a one-year plan. They're very organized, really great at that stuff. Sure. But then if you change the plan, everybody loses their mind. I'm like, that's not the plan, you know? We don't plan long-term because we want to be nimble. If we have yeah. a, we have like kind of a generic plan, but if we have a pretty specified plan and then we change it, everybody hates it. But if you don't have a plan and you say, this is what we're doing this week, everybody's like, cool, that's what we're doing this week, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, I, think that's the, I think that's your fight against corporate. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, kind you, of you is. Wanna, yeah. You want to be able to, to make a decision and, and the team run with it without having to go through all the, the checks and balances of yeah. 30 layers. So. Yeah, so, so, but the, the general five-year plan is we just acquired a manufacturing company based out of Boise. Oh, We're cool. moving them to Twin later this year. We're building out a facility now. Um, it's, a, it's actually a vitamin manufacturing business. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, I think that site, we're already manufacturing or bottling essential oils for several other companies. Okay. Um, so I think that side of the business uh, has a lot of potential. The manufacturing side, just to grow. And, yeah. And, and are, would you be moving into vitamins in that sense? Or, or is it just yeah. kind of expanding product lines? That's cool. Yep. In, in vitamins and other product lines too, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we have a partnership with Amazon where we're bottling right. product for an Amazon brand, right? Yeah. And so it's not a plant therapy brand. I, I, you've probably never heard of it, but there's, there's lots of people. I mean, we're bottling products for companies in Hong Kong and things like that. Wow. Um, they're just essential oil companies, but we have a process. We've got a great product. So we're, go. we're manufacturing under their label, so we'll expand that program. If, if you were to look back uh, at the beginning, right, 2012, if you could tell, your, tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know today? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, because the, there's so much value in figuring it out. So yeah. if I could go back to, you know, 10 years ago and, and tell myself stuff, I it would lose the value. The value yeah. is fail, readapt, and do better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, say, I would say nothing. Nothing. I met with a high school kid. I have lots of people ask me to mentor them or something like that. Which, all, which I also just kind of find silly because it's like, sure. really? You know, like I don't have anything to offer you from a mentorship. Um, but anyway, so, so I was meeting with this kid. I gave him some books to read and then met with him a couple of times and he said, he asked me actually the same question. And, that's, and I said, I, I'm like, he said, what should I know? And I said, I don't, you shouldn't know anything besides get out and try. Just go yeah. do it. And then if it doesn't work, great. You learn something, you'll do better the next time, right? So- yeah. There's just so much value in not knowing and figuring it out. And that's one of the reasons we've been so successful is because we didn't know. Yeah. So, you know, five or six years ago, I was meeting, I've, I've now been fortunate enough that I meet with groups of CEOs. Um, and some, I mean, I'm in this room of like 20 other entrepreneurs. We're 
connected financially in some way, um, mm -hmm. but also they're like publicly traded companies and they were gr homegrown and the CEOs, the guys who founded these companies and they're like billion dollar businesses. Wow. Um, and we're all like, you know, connected and working on stuff together. And I like have to pinch myself sometimes for being in those rooms. But the crazy thing is like, the more I get to know like billionaires on a personal level, the more they're just people. They're exactly yeah. like us. And like, they just are continually getting a little bit better each time and learning and adapting and figuring it out. And, and I think it's, I mean, there's just so much value in just not knowing and being naive. And so what I was going to say is five or six years ago, I was meeting with um, this other group and they were saying like, nobody does it like you're doing it. So we manufacture products. We do our own customer satisfaction. We fulfill all of our own orders, things yeah. like that, where other businesses are like, I mean, nobody does that. You right. either yeah, contract you, manufacture to somebody else, right. you use a fulfillment center and yeah. you're a marketing business, right? And you're just yeah. marketing product. Well, I didn't know nobody did it that way. So we just did whatever worked for us. And there's been so many times where people are like, that's not the way it's done. I was like, well, that's why we're successful because we didn't know it wasn't supposed to be that way. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that's the world of an entrepreneur. It, you know, it's the imposter syndrome. People think it should be a certain way until someone tries and, they, and they're successful. And it's like, oh, I didn't know. That, yeah. That's how it works. So imposter syndrome is a real thing too. I mean, I feel it all the time. Just being here is like, sure. you know, it's like, yeah. I don't know. Fun well, and kind of silly. <laughs> right. Well, it's, I think a lot of people, I was, I was just talking to a kid yesterday, he, you know, he was asking some stuff and I just explained to him, I said, everyone thinks that everyone else knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that's just not true. For sure. The difference is the people that are willing to try. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what you said. You know, you were willing to try the entire time. And be better. Like, I want to be a little bit better next week than I am. That's why I read so much. And that's why I am so observant and pay attention to people that I think are doing a good job. And right take what you can from it. And yeah, that's awesome. Well, Chris, I think you're incredible. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, we, we appreciate you and look forward to seeing plant therapy grow. Is there anything you want to say to the audience before we head out? Just check us out at planttherapy.com. All of the social media handles, everything is at plant therapy. Uh, yeah, it's pretty basic. Awesome. Well, thanks okay. for being here today. All right. See thanks. You. Thank you for joining us on the show today. We hope you enjoyed hearing Chris's journey and how making prudent decisions in the short term can lead to huge successes in the long run. I think it's important to recognize that even with all of their success, plant therapy has never lost focus on what truly matters to them, creating an incredible place to work and giving people opportunities through business. How can your business be the difference maker in your community? Life is short, make a ruckus.